Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Serious XM Progress. Are you ready, people of Earth, for the Thursday night power that we bring to you on the little show that could tell me everything, bringing good trouble to the right wing bubble? Welcome to it. Hey, what a show tonight. Chris Hauselt, our executive producer, running this thing from South Carolina. Thea Harper, our producer, is in Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan. Professor Corey Brechneider returns to the show tonight. He's been gone all summer. Uh, believe it or not, there's just a few constitutional legality issues in the news. Hello to the Daywalkers, everybody who listens to us on demand, on the app, on the Fugelsang podcast. We love y'all. You can write us, tweet us, we'll read them. And hello everyone listening live, our evil army of the night. This show is also for you. You are consistently our most important guest. And you join the conversation by having your very attractive finger punch out the numbers 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT on your mobile or landline device. We would love to hear from you. Corey Brett is back tonight. Our good friend, comedian Carol Montgomery, the producer and star of Showtime's wonderfully successful Funny Women of a Certain Age series, is going to be with us as well. And all night long, there's a lot of news to get to, a lot of lies we got to deconstruct, a lot of audio from the day we need to mock. Let's do a show. We have so much to cover. Uh, Derek Chauvin is going to ask the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn his murder conviction of George Floyd. You know Derek Chauvin. He's that murderous thug from the big city whose crime footage somehow didn't get included in the Try That in a Small Town video. I'm not, I'm not done making fun of this whole thing yet. I'm sorry. It's just ridiculous. And can I just say, try that in a small town? I'm sorry. It sounds like a gay sex game show. Try that in a small town. I, uh, Florida. The Florida Board of Education has approved new teaching standards for black history, where they're going to teach people that slavery taught the slaves valuable job skills. You know, for when they filled out their resume and sought employment elsewhere. Um, valuable job skills. Congratulations, Ron DeSantis. I think your run for president is going to give you valuable job skills that'll help you for your eventual next job as a freaking lobbyist. Um, we live in a time, brothers and sisters, when a judge was forced to say this. This is my favorite quote of the week. I defy you to find a better quote from a judge anywhere this week. This is U.S. District Judge Alvin Hellerstein. Hush money paid to an adult film star is not related to a president's official acts. 
that's now in the court records of the United States because we folks, we got we got that dumb. Happy birthday to friends of this show, the great comedian and voiceover actor Carlos Alice Rocky. Happy birthday to uh, one of our earliest guests from the Moody Blues, the great John Lodge. And happy birthday to one of our favorite guests ever, uh, Paul Cook, the drummer for the Sex Pistols. Paul is 67 years young today. Bob Dylan released Like a Rolling Stone 58 years ago today, and Midnight Run was released 35 years ago today. Tonight's pop culture question, what is the greatest buddy comedy ever? I submit to you, it is Midnight Run. Yeah, I'll fight you on it, too. Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin for two hours and 25. It's, it's a little bit of a long film, directed by Martin Brest, featuring Yafet Kodo and John Ashton, and a terrific supporting cast like Dennis Farina. Midnight Run, baby. It's great. Charles Grodin steals every scene he's in. And I think it's also uh, Robert De Niro's best comedy. Sorry, all you people who loved Meet the Parents or all you people who loved Analyze This or uh, I don't know, all you, all you people who, who who loved Angel Heart. That was pretty funny. Uh what is the greatest buddy comedy of all time? Love to hear your thoughts as you call in tonight to talk about the politics. Let's get to the politics now, shall we? Are you ready for the, the numbers that are going to drive everything for the rest of 2023 into winter of next year? Because there's a new Monmouth University poll suggesting that uh, Donald Trump would be easily defeated by incredibly old Joe Biden in 2024 if they have a rematch of their last time. Even if Senator Joe Manchin mounts a third party bid, most analysts believe would hurt the Biden campaign. In this national survey, 47 percent of the voters they spoke with said they would definitely or probably support Biden. Only 40 percent said they would back Trump. They, they even pitched, what if there was a unity ticket? What if Manchin and Utah Governor uh, John Huntsman ran together? Because John Huntsman's a Republican and Joe Manchin's a Republican who identifies as a Democrat. Wouldn't even eat into Biden's lead at all. 63% of voters have an unfavorable view of Donald Trump. That's the stat that matters here. And Chris, I'm sending you a couple of audio requests on this one because I want to play something that's coming through here. 63% and half of those said they would definitely not support Donald Trump in 2024. And Republicans know this. Uh, the Monmouth poll comes just, what, a couple days after Trump was revealed he's probably going to be indicted for the third time this year, this time on charges pertaining to his role in the January 6th Capitol riot and terrorism attack. Now, it, it's hard to keep track of, but we'll now have more indictments than impeachments. And don't forget, technically, Donald Trump was impeached twice for the same thing, trying to steal the election from Joe Biden. Having said that, Trump is by far the favorite. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. If it keeps up like this, if Donald Trump keeps coasting to the nomination in spite of all this malfeasance, Joe Biden can campaign for reelection in pajamas and loafers. Real Clear Politics has a polling average of national primary voters. Trump leads Ron DeSantis by nearly 33 points in Iowa and New Hampshire. The first two contests, the first two primaries, Trump leads by 24 points. In Iowa, 22 points in New Hampshire. So he's going to be charged. He's going to be charged again, indicted more. Because based on what we know, based on what we all saw on the TV, what we all sat through last summer with the January 6th hearings, Donald Trump tried to overturn the results of an American election. That's pretty much the bedrock tenet of our democracy. And if there's ever any evidence that a president or a former president tried to keep power when they shouldn't have, then yeah, they got to be charged. He will be charged again. 
And it's worth remembering, Donald Trump has run for president three times and lost all three times. What are you talking about? Well, he ran in the year 2000 for the Reform Party. Remember that? Didn't get too far. Then he ran as a Republican and lost the popular vote, but still got the job. Then he ran in 2020, lost the popular. You get the idea. Now he's going to go again. And, and it's worth remembering. It's really good if Donald Trump gets the nomination because Donald Trump was built to lose. Think about it. Come on now. Think Trump Airlines, Trump Vodka, Trump Mortgage, Trump the game, Trump magazine, Trump University. And that one was a crime. The Trump stakes. How about the New Jersey generals? Remember the tour to Trump? Remember the Trump network? Trump's the board game. (laughs) The Trump Taj Mahal, the Trump castle. The Plaza Casinos, the Plaza Hotel, the Trump Hotels and Casinos Resorts, Trump Entertainment Resorts. The guy can't stop blowing it. Truth Social is going to be his next sacrificial lamb. He's ruining it for the party. And some of them know it. Do you have that clip I sent over of uh, Senator John Kennedy? Uh, Chris Hasselt? Yeah. Did that come through? Okay, because Senator John Kennedy, who I love, you know I love John Kennedy, because he's someone who used to be a Democrat, was educated in Oxford, Rhodes Scholar, went to England to become smart, and then became a Republican, and now he talks like a man who steals chickens. Uh, He was on Fox News yesterday, and he suggested this crazy conspiracy theory that Democrats really want Donald Trump to be the president. He went further than that and said the Democrats are trying to prosecute him so much. All this legal peril is because Democrats want him See, it's all reverse psychology. Democrats know that Biden can't beat Trump, so they're indicting him so he'll get more popular with idiots. I, I, I can't give a listen. Tell me if you get this. This is this is John Kennedy, I think, sort of telling the truth about the Democrats, Trump and the polls. President Biden wants President Trump as an opponent because given President Biden's poll numbers, uh, he polls right up there with Bud Light. He thinks, he thinks President Trump is, is, is the only person he can be. Now, one of them is going to be wrong. But, but I think, I hate to say this, but it, I think it's a fair observation. I think the Justice Department's going to do pretty much what, at the senior levels, whatever they can to make sure that uh, President Trump is the nominee, because that's who President Biden wants. I mean, crazy. I'll say, Stupid. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say, come on now, boy, get out of the way. You bother me. Imagine being a Rhodes Scholar. Imagine, imagine going to Oxford and then realizing to move ahead in politics, you've, you've got to talk like that. He, there's, there's tape of this guy from 10 years ago, Chris. He didn't used to speak that way. <laughs> but it's a great point. The Democrats want Donald Trump to be the nominee. I want Donald Trump to be the nominee. I've been saying it for years. Of course, they know they're in trouble. And the only reason Robert Kennedy's name is on our lips every other day is because Republicans and their various dark money donors know they're stuck. They bet the farm on Trump. Trump burned down the farm and they're stuck with this guy. They can't do anything. Trump supporters will never forgive them if they bail on him. So they're going to have to go through it with Trump and watch him lose and defend him. The most beautiful part, brothers and sisters. Please don't let Trump be convicted before Election Day, because I can't wait to watch Kevin McCarthy have to defend everything. I can't wait to watch Mitch McConnell age 30 years and six months from having to be asked every day about the latest offensive thing Trump said. 
Speaking of offensive things, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you know, our, our good friend, I love him, but it's Republicans who are financing this campaign. Steve Bannon, Mike Flynn, they think it's great. I, I, I'm having a harder time every week finding liberals uh, who read the news who want it to be Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I think the brand name recognition's gone as far as it'll go. And again, I, I love a lot of things about Robert Kennedy Jr. Not his comments the other night about COVID and how it was designed to kill black and white people, but spare Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese people. So when he said that the other day, we thought for sure, holy crap, we're, we're, the Republicans are invited him to come testify to their committee. They're weaponizing the government committee. They're, they're going to have to uninvite him, right? The House subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government? No, they didn't disinvite him. He showed up today. So here is their great white hope. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. addressing briefly his anti-Semitic sounding statements from last weekend. By the way, I want to say this while I'm on the record, that in my entire life and why I'm under oath in my entire life, I have never uttered a phrase that was either racist or anti-Semitic. Right. Okay. Um, it's amazing how subjective a thing like that can be. Hold that thought. Here, here's a little bit more. At today's House committee hearings, uh, they asked Robert Kennedy uh, about his scrutinized position on vaccines. Virtually everything, every statement that you just made about me is inaccurate. I have never advised black Americans not to receive vaccines. At one point, you say I'm anti-vax, and that's a bad thing. The other thing, the <laughs> other moment, you point out that all my children are vaxxed. I fact, I'm fully compliant with the vaccine schedule myself, except for COVID. I, I, I took flu vaccines for 20 years straight. I have never been an anti-vax. I have never told any, I have never told the public avoid vaccination. The only thing I've asked for, and my views are constantly misrepresented so that the truth of what I believe is not we're not allowed to have a conversation with, about that with the American people, which I believe vaccines should be tested with the same rigor as other medicines and medications. OK, so here's the Debbie Wasserman Schultz moment. You may have heard about it. A former head of the DNC, congresswoman from Florida, still serving. She got up there. And she decided to bring receipts and talk about actual statements Robert Kennedy made. Oh, again, this is over his history of actual statements. This this next clip I want you to hear. It's it's about two minutes, uh, but it's really worth listening. It is especially terse. But um, if you listen closely, you can hear the Republicans plan to split the ticket with Robert Kennedy as their stalking horse fall apart. This this is the Zapruder film moment of the hearings. Mr. Kennedy, you're well-educated. So yes or no, please. Are you aware that for centuries, Jews have been scapegoated and blamed for causing illnesses like Black Plague and more recently COVID? I am. Those are known as blood libel, and they are one of the worst and most disturbing parts of uh, human history. Good. I'm glad to know that, of course, that you, that you acknowledge that. Of course, it's true and well-documented that this pernicious form of anti-Semitism led to centuries of discrimination, even horrific pogroms and massacres, and it still fuels deadly violence today. Yet last week, you floated a baseless conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was bioengineered to target Caucasians and black people, but to spare Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese people. Mr. Kennedy, your bizarre, unproven claim echoes that same historic slander of labeling 
seeing Jews and Chinese people as a race, and that Jews, and in this case Chinese people, somehow manage to avoid a deadly illness that targets other groups for death. You do see that, yes or no? You're misstating. No, 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 no. Uh, you I, are. Quoted, I quoted what you said earlier, and it, it is directly what you said. So just ask uh, me, no, yes or no. I was, I was describing an NIH-funded study. No, 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 you didn't cite any. I was, as, I was describing an NIH-funded study by Cleveland Clinic Reclaiming scientists. my time. Reclaiming my time. You did not you, reference. Reclaiming my time. Published in USC Mr. Medical, Chairman, which is, is one mine. of... The time is mine. I'm reclaiming it. Please ask the witness to stop talking. You asked me a question. Reclaiming. I, let me, allow me to answer time. my question. Mr. Chairman, I'd like about 10 Ta seconds the back. Time, the you, time belongs. You are slandering me time incorrectly. To the, the time belongs. Time You're saying is dishonest. Time belongs to the gentlelady from Florida. Time belongs to the gentlelady from Florida. I'd like 15 seconds back. We will be happy to give you that. Thank you so much. You did not cite any study like you are citing here now during that conversation. You referenced no study at all. You simply labeled Jews and Chinese people as a race, and you also said that somehow they managed to avoid a deadly illness that targets other groups for death. So it went well, as you can tell. Uh, Wasserman Schultz called him out for uh, previously comparing COVID public health data policies to Nazi concentration camp experiments on, quote, gypsies and Jews. She quoted him directly when he said, even in Hitler's Germany, you could cross the Alps to Switzerland. You could hide in an attic like Anne Frank did. He said that at the anti-vax protest at the Lincoln Memorial. And he told Debbie Wasserman Schultz she was lying for saying so. I think, actually, Representative Wasserman Schultz blew it because a few moments later she called for him not to be allowed to testify, thereby making it appear that Democrats were trying to censor him and giving the entire right wing, and friends, exclusively the right wing, license to do their favorite thing, run around playing victim all day long. The questions were fair, Representative Wasserman Schultz, and you did a fine job. Uh, but when you said he shouldn't be allowed to testify, that's where you lose me. Not because censorship is wrong, that's baseline, but you gave them ammunition. Please, stop doing that. Uh, the rest of the day was kind of a mess. Jim Jordan was trying to, I guess, run defense because RFK also amplified that conspiracy theory that Hank Aaron, that Hank Aaron, the baseball legend, the home run king, that he died because of the COVID-19 vaccine. Because he said, uh, you know, he, he, he at the time that... Hank Aaron died. Kennedy said it was part of a wave of suspicious deaths among elderly, closely following administration of COVID-19 vaccines. He said he'd received the Moderna vaccine on January 5th to inspire other black Americans to get the vaccine. And the medical office uh, that examined Hank Aaron's body said uh, he died because he was 86. Natural causes, not a vaccine. Jim Jordan was defending that all day. So... <sighs> You know, I, I don't really believe that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is an anti-Semite. I do want to say that he's clearly not really an anti-vaxxer because, as was pointed out today, all the guests at the family Christmas party had to be vaccinated and his kids were, too. The anti-Semitism arg argument, that's not going away. Nikki Haley today did a posting. Nikki Haley, who will never be president. Nikki Haley, who will probably never get up to 5%. But she tweeted today, we're taking names. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Jamal Bowman, Summer Lee, Ilhan Omar, Cori Bush, Andre Carson, Delia Ramirez, Ayanna Presley. These nine members of Congress believe Israel is racist. We will remember this one. This is the performative agony over what they call anti-Semitism. Because those nine members of Congress criticize the civilian government of Israel. That makes them anti-Semite. 
which, of course, is the same as saying, hey, if I criticize the democratic government of America, I hate America, right? We do this all the time, guys. If I criticize Vladimir Putin, I don't hate Russians. If I criticize the Iranian mullahs, I don't hate the Iranian people. And when we criticize the civilian government of Israel, we don't hate the citizens of Israel. But of course, the GOP can't defend themselves on anti-Semitism. And they should. I mean, I'm sorry. Israel's a beautiful place, but they've literally been declared an apartheid system by Human Rights Watch. Human Rights Watch has found that Israel authorities' systematic oppression coupled with the inhumane acts they have committed against Palestinians as part of a policy to maintain the domination by Jewish Israelis over Palestinians amount to the crimes against humanity of apartheid and persecution. And by the way, Cornell West got in on this. He's going to lose all of his new right-wing friends. He wrote, the U.S. congressional resolution in Israel is a sham. The painful truth is that the Israeli state, like the USA, has been racist in practice since its inception. The founding of the Jewish state in response to the indescribable evil of the Holocaust against Jewish humanity produced dispossession and domination of Palestinian peoples. What are they going to do? They're losing their favorite ringers. They're losing uh, Cornell West and RFK Jr. this week. By the way, Israel, you know, lent several rare antiquities to Trump's White House, including ancient clay lamps for a Hanukkah event. And Donald Trump was president at the time, which means he stole those artifacts and brought them back to his retirement village in, in, in Florida. And Israel's trying to get their stuff back. So, Nikki Haley, you champion against anti-Semitism. Here's the number of times Nikki Haley has criticized the Jewish hate of Nick Fuentes. Zero. Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about the Jewish space lasers causing fires. Zero. RFK on Jews and COVID. Nikki Haley, zero times. How about when Matt Gaetz brought a Holocaust denier to the State of the Union address? Zero critique from Nimrata. How about Donald Trump stealing Israeli artifacts loaned to his White House? Zero. And how many times did Nikki Haley criticize that Moms for Liberty paper quoting Hitler? <laughs> I think y'all know. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. Jessica in Maine, welcome and thanks for calling SiriusXM. Hi, how are you doing? Great, how are I'm you? just calling... I- I wanted to call and tell you something very important happened in the state of Maine yesterday. Please. All right. Janet Mills, our governor. Yes. Well, it, she wasn't my choice in 2018 for the primary, but I voted for her for, to get elected. And then when she was running against Paula Page, because he may, tried to make a comeback. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Lord he, it, he came back and and everybody said, oh, Page is going to be governor again. And she beat him by nine points. And they said, oh, the main legislature is going to the Republicans. It didn't. And yeah. so yesterday, Janet Mills signed a bill into law that says, uh, that is the law legislation that puts the decision about whether to have an abortion later in pregnancy in the hands of patients and their doctors, not politicians right. or lawyers, That's ensuring right. that patients can get the care they need when they need it. It's called an act to improve Maine's reproductive privacy laws. Mm-hmm. And it got signed into law yesterday in the state of Maine. And so, now Maine yeah. is with Alaska, Colorado, Jersey, Vermont, uh, D.C., New Mexico, Oregon, the states that are leaving the decision to get an abortion to doctors and their patients without restrictions. The right wing's freaking out over this, you know. Yes, they are. And and the thing is, you know, it's like I spent some time in right wing world last week when I went to my nephew's graduation in New Jersey. I just kind of like tried to stay away from everybody and say as little as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, I got got back to the, the land of sanity. Um, 
or, you know, planet Earth. And, uh, yeah, we're back. But Maine is, yes, Maine just went and did the right thing, and I'm just glad that we did it. By the way, I also, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's great. And I, I just think uh, there's a lot of interesting things coming out of this governor. And I'm really thrilled to see Maine leading. Yay. State motto. Now, by the way, she also she also vetoed the bill that would legally define farm workers as employees today, which means their wages automatically go to the state minimum wage of thirteen dollars and eighty cents. The legislature might uh, override yes. that. But yeah. So, yeah, but we'll see what happens. Also, she's also done a few things that I haven't been thrilled with. Yeah. You know, especially with the, the native population and vetoing some bills that would have benefited them, which, you know, you can't you can't win. It's like, yes, you have to, you know, you, you hold your nose sometimes and you say, well, I don't like everything about this person, but it's not a popularity contest. You vote for the person who reflects your value. That's most. it. That's it. I agree. And the heck with, you know, this insanity of voting for third parties if you live in a state that's on the margin. That's it. I think you're right. But again, why why did George W. Bush become president? Product brand name loyalty. Same reason Donald Trump became president. And this exactly the only reason why Robert Kennedy Jr. is running right now. For many people, it is a popularity contest. That's just how we are as humans. It's the same way with the Oscars. You know, just it's it's a popularity contest and oh, we have to God, deal with that. And that's why it's so, I know. But that's why it's so important. We have to get the word out about the actual issues, because when you ask hardworking yes. Americans about the issues and you don't attach a political party to it, you'll see them coming down more often than not on policies that help working people. And that's the message Democrats have to get out. Democrats have still in my lifetime got to find a way of convincing Republicans to stop voting for policies that help millionaires. And the millionaires hire politicians to yell, Mexicans are coming. And that's how the cycle continues. So I, I, I it's people just say, oh, you know, why? Why? I sit there and I say, why do you vote against your best interests? That's it. Yeah. I don't because they don't know because do because they're more because they're more afraid. They're more afraid of, of, you know, the guys at Home Depot looking for day labor work. So meanwhile, the guy who exported their job to China is going to tell them to be afraid of those three guys standing outside Home Depot looking for yard work today. That's the racket. Mm-hmm. That's how they use fear and xenophobia and racism. And it's divide and conquer. And it's what's kept a lot of poor white people really poor for a long time because they don't want to see a black or brown person doing as well as them. Exactly. I will let you go. Have a good You're evening. You're awesome, Jessica. And- Have a great one. We, I'm sorry, we got to hit a hard break because Professor Corey Brettschneider is waiting in the wings. We'll be right back with the good professor who hasn't been here. It's been like two years since he's been on the show. And your calls as well. We'll be right back. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax. 
the way car buying should be. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. Professor Corey Brettschneider, you know him if you listen to this program. He's a superhero in the poli-sci department at Brown University, and he has written great analysis of our politics for Politico, the New York Times, Time Magazine. Get his book, The Oath and the Office, A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents. It is a book you will keep by your night table as a reference guide and give as gifts as I have done. Also, check out his Penguin Liberty Series books on free speech, impeachment, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's notable cases. We have not had Corey on the show all summer long. Professor, welcome back. Thanks, John. Uh, pleasure to be with you, and uh, a lot happened since we talked last time. My God, a lot has happened. I, you went away, and everything happened with indictments and Supreme Court rulings. I mean, we're going to have to do a best of to cover apart. the last couple of weeks. Well, let, let's go with the most recent, because I do want to talk to you about the court rulings. But first, happy indictment week number three in one year, Corey. <laughs> Third time since April. We've seen a former president be indicted. You know, you never forget your first, but i got to be honest, by the third time in history, it's the third time in history a former president has been indicted, and it's all the same guy. It doesn't get boring. I'm not over no. it yet. I, no. I'm looking forward to him being indicted again next month. <laughs> you know, this one, to me, even though it comes third, is by far the most important. The, I mean, the, the second is, of course, serious, the... No, this is the most uh, important. The documents, the the kind of uh, taking America's nuclear secrets and and sort of waving them around for uh, people to come see. Uh, That's a serious case. Less serious, although I think, as I've argued, worth prosecuting is the New York case. But really what this one is about is the core of our democracy, not a former president who acted uh, criminally, recklessly, as bad as that is, but somebody who really risk collapsing the system. And we can't talk about that enough. Our system is very vulnerable to collapse because we have an insanely powerful chief executive. And in other countries, in Latin American countries, multiple, multiple. And so one study I, I, I sometimes cite says basically all presidential systems, except for a couple, have collapsed. And almost mm-hmm. always because Chief executives basically become dictators. So this is, you know, he's a goofy person. He's incompetent. He's silly. We can mock him. But he had control of the most powerful office of the, in the most powerful country in the world. And uh, that's what this case is about. It was so important. I, I've been like a broken record since it happened and talking about the need for this indictment. It should have happened probably earlier, but, you know, there are strategic reasons for waiting and, and, we're, we're used to the idea of a president being indicted, for instance, at this point. But but this was the <laughs> crucial one. I completely agree. I think more and more, not that there was any kind of uh, co, you know, conspiracy or any kind of uh, uh, working in concert to indict him a certain way. But having Alvin Bragg go first 
for the little indictment no one took seriously was a great way to ease the American public into this phenomenon, which we've never experienced before. The lack of violent protest in New York led to a lack of violent protest in Miami for the first federal indictment. And that's why we're going to get another federal and another state this summer. And much has been made, Professor, of the letter that Jack Smith's office sent to Donald Trump and how Trump revealed all of this on Sunday night. It's a fair bet that his legal counsel probably advised him not to go talking about that? <laughs> I think so, but I think they also probably told them uh, what's coming very soon. Within, I think I looked at the timeline the last time the target letter was sent. It was three, three weeks before Jack Smith announced the indictment in the documents case. And my guess is they said this is likely what's happening here, that this isn't just a threat, that you're going to be indicted within a few weeks. And uh, he went ballistic. And, you know, he really revealed... The strategy that he's used in in the other two cases, he's going to use it here and double down on it, which is... What's that? Delay, delay? Turn this into partisan, you know, supposedly partisan um, uh, attack on him, and he's going to try to claim the office of the presidency to get away with all of this. And in particular, I saw his remarks about how he did win the election and how he's being persecuted for calling out. Uh, the theft of this election. So this is not a remorseful person. He is. uh, And by the way, I think it's uh, brilliant that he's still doing it. Corey, I think it's great that he's still claiming, still claiming uh, to anyone that he really won the election. He did that ridiculous little thing with Hannity after Hannity's parent company has to pay three quarters of a billion dollars because of lies about that election. Trump shows up and just pushes it again. I mean, on a political (laughs) level, it's not just bad for Trump's campaign, it's terrible for the Republican Party because they want to move on from this. But they want to move it, on. It, it, uh, I mean, I guess it, it, he thinks that it appeals to his base. It keeps the big lie going, which is really the source of his power. I did look at the polling. You know, he's got 50 percent, you know, basically today of the Republican Party still supporting him. So, I mean, it could be a path the nomination just doubling down and it looks like it it might be and it could be a path i mean this is the frightening thought to the presidency and how are these prosecutions going to continue if he's president because certainly jack smith's days you know i don't see him lasting uh day one of trump being in the white house so so you know he's got a plan that is both maniacal and frightening but also could work and yet we none of us actually know what specific criminal charges Smith is expected to present to the grand jury. That's correct. I mean, one thing that's a little bit, um, I guess, odd about this case, and maybe unprecedented, is that we really heard the outline of the argument for the prosecution, complete with what the statutes would be that would be cited in bringing it by the January 6th Commission. My understanding of what the January 6th Commission was really doing was making in public the argument that they wanted to see the Department of Justice make in court. That's what um, Liz Cheney and Jamie Raskin and and a host of others were doing. So I do think that that is a kind of broad outline of the kind of charges that we might see here. There also was a sample memo drafted by a number of law professors and a former White House counsel laying out what they thought the charges would be regardless of the specific statutes that are charged the criminal violations you know it's it's clear what the facts are it's that that he engaged in a conspiracy and a plan to subvert the election and and acted on it didn't just talk about it 
Well, let me let me quote you something I, I shared on the show two nights ago, and that's from uh, our friend Joyce Vance, uh, mm-hmm. who's an NBC news analyst uh, for legal matters. And she wrote on social media prediction. Jack Smith evidence or what we see of it in his indictment will be much stronger than people are anticipating. GOP Mm. presidential contenders who continue to shill for Trump will be forced to do it about face, perhaps not immediately, but it's coming. Now, it always sounds great, but, you know, Mm -hmm. shades of Mullertown. I mean, we've gotten our hopes up before about these sorts of things. Um, I, 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 you know, I look, (laughs) this is just going to continue, isn't it? We haven't even gotten to Fonnie Willis yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think, you know, that even what we saw in the January 6th commission, I mean, you and I talked about it as it was happening in real time, that, that what's publicly available is already so damning. And, you know, just to repeat what happened, and, and we all know this from January 6th, and, and to look at the facts, I think you start to see it. Uh, I think Trump knew that he lost the election. He admitted it publicly at several points, although he's trying to hide that now. That's right. Uh, so that suggests that there was a, a, a desire to, to fraudulently steal an election. He, with John Eastman, this former law professor, came up with a completely bogus theory that said that under the 11th Amendment, the vice president basically had the power to decide which plate of electors to certify and which one's not. And then that was done in concert with uh, and, and a group was coordinating this, uh, fake electors sent by the state. That's right. Um, and then there was, of course, a, a move by allies in Congress uh, to engage in, in, in this the disruptive practice of, of certifying these fake electors. Now, the vice president resisted that. I, I have to believe that his testimony against Trump is going to play a huge role in uh, the prosecution. Uh, and then let's just add another thing that I hope is part of this, and, and I haven't seen this getting enough play. I've seen, you know, conspiracy to uh, obstruct Congress and to obstruct the election, various statutes mm-hmm. that have to do with that. But what about just the straightforward incitement to violence that uh, yeah. happened during the speech? I mean, that I Fight like hell. Fight like hell. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Um, yeah. So and, let, uh, let me ask you. you know, let that me ask speech a... ends with him saying, "Let's go to the Capitol," and and uh, you know, knowing that by the way, and this gets lost that there were guns in that in that uh, audience. Yeah. You know that people yeah. were armed. I just think about people like yourself who teach the law, and that for the rest of your career, you may have to tell students of future generations about that time when Donald Trump. A president, a former president, was facing four indictments in four different jurisdictions at the same time. Because we've also got, of course, the grand yeah. jury meeting in Florida right now. And and I want to also say, Corey, we got to. I think the biggest thing we have to teach people is uh, Merrick Garland didn't indict Trump. Joe Biden, the Democratic Party, <laughs> Trump's enemies didn't indict Trump. It's a, so far a grand jury of citizens in Florida who've indicted him federally so far, right? Right. Absolutely. And hopefully there'll be a grand jury in Washington, D.C. that does that in Georgia. And there was a grand jury in New York. You know, I think the 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 thing I find, and this is maybe a, a different spin than, than you're hearing from other people. You know, I think the real tragedy is what I had to teach students before all of this, these indictments happen, which is that now twice a president has basically committed bold, bold crimes, you know, basically known to the public that weren't prosecuted. 
And the first one was, was Nixon. And those grand jurors in that case did try to prosecute him. They were stymied. Uh, this is part of what I'll talk about in my new book that'll be out in a few months, were stymied right. uh, in their attempt to do so. And the real tragedy is that Nixon was pardoned rather than prosecuted. And that was the ultimate way that they were stymied was by um, Gerald Ford's pardon, uh, which, yep. you know, was meant to move the country forward. And I think it moved us forward in an extremely dangerous direction. And so now that we have these four indictments, three and one looming, uh, you know, I think then it's it's correcting finally the failure to prosecute the first president that we knew who committed these crimes, basically in the <laughs> open, that, that was Richard Nixon. Corey, speaking of a lack of accountability, let's quickly pivot to the Supreme Court. Uh, we really missed you. We really needed you a couple weeks ago yeah. when you were away with your family. What I mean, to have one day where the Supreme Court guts affirmative action because they say that's racism and being prejudiced is wrong. And then uh, two days later on a Monday, have the religious freedom ruling where they say, oh, you can discriminate all you want. Um, right. What did you make of the affirmative action case? Because, of course, they they did go to great lengths to preserve affirmative action for merit-free, white, rich legacy students. <laughs> Absolutely. The, um, you know, it was a long time in coming. This is a war on, you know, it is a war on affirmative action to me, though. I'm, I'm going to be what might sound dramatic, but I, I think this is just honest. It's a war on the entire idea of the Constitution's requirement of equal protection of law. What that meant in the 19th century was that we were going to end not just slavery, but what the uh, court often called the badges and incidents of slavery, the, the, the sort of things that came with it, the yeah. uh, system of subordination of black people. That's what this amendment was about. And um, the people who urged uh, the push for equal citizenship, Frederick Douglass, Charles Sumner, were focused on that idea of anti-subordination. Now, that got co-opted by the right, that story, and turned into a colorblind story that really what that amendment was about, what equal protection was about, was not the end of subordination, but was the the idea that we should not see color, that we should literally be blind to issues of race. And right. uh, that's not that we should be accurate. But, but, right. But the whole the, even the argument itself is a bunch of feel good, sinister hooey. It's not about being colorblind. It's about being color conscious. Being right. colorblind right. has come to mean being blind to the real effects of racism historically and in our present day. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. And, you know, it also is, I think, fitting in some ways that in a time when we're denying people the ability to know what happened in American history, that we're lying to. The Supreme Court, I should say, is lying. Clarence Thomas is lying. Justice Roberts is lying. Justice Gorsuch is lying about what happened in the 19th century. They're just erasing the whole point of this post-Civil War amendments, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which were, you know, not about colorblindness. In fact, the first quote they can find about it comes from uh, much later from from uh, President Garfield, uh, uh, and and it's sort of just rewriting history. So, you know, I think that the policy results are terrible. But I, I've really focused with this decision on the on the disgrace to American history that 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 uh, was um, created uh, by by yes. this court. What did you make of uh, the 
right-wing talking point about how this was a victory against anti-Asian hate. I mean, this is a party that's never cared about anti-Asian hate. This right. is a party that laughed and cheered when Donald Trump talked about the China virus and the Kung flu. Uh, Asians right. are 6% of the population, 26% of the Harvard student population. They were not exactly underrepresented. This whole ruling to me, and I don't want to seem cynical, but it just it was about anti-blackness. The whole ruling was about you don't have to accept black people to make up for past uh, grievances by society. Just like 10 years ago when they gutted the Voting Rights Act because they said, hey, black president means no more racism. It seems it was just (laughs) designed to make sure not to be bad to black people, but to make sure that no one felt like they had to be good to black people. Am I being too cynical about this, Professor? No, it, it had nothing to do with discrimination against Asian Americans in a fundamental sense. And the way that we know that is that the battle against affirmative action predates the strategy of, of turning to cases in which um, some Asians were denied admission and, and using them as, as plaintiffs. Uh, the agenda was set by Justice Scalia early on in the court's history uh, you really see it in the Michigan case, which preserved affirmative action with Justice O'Connor saying in a quite smart way that, you know, even if it's not about rectification, the court had abandoned that rationale. It's about diversity going forward. And by the way, she looked to the military. This is a, a, an important point I want to come back to. Uh, the military had a brief that said, basically, if we had an all-white officer corps, there's no way we could function as a modern fighting force. And that's because diversity is what's needed. And so we need universities to pursue diversity if we're going to be able to function. Now, um, you know, Scalia and and others, uh, Thomas certainly uh, in the lead of those on on the court now, uh, just rejected all those arguments. They they don't believe in diversity. They didn't think that it was an important goal. They they wanted to call out anti-white racism as sort of the real harm. And that's been the agenda from the beginning. Now, when that got married to a kind of brilliant strategy of looking to what actually might be, in some cases, instances of discrimination against Asians, they were able to to marry these two things. I do think there probably have been instances of discrimination against Asians. Um, Certainly, there, there are in the society and probably in college admissions. But that is a completely different issue than the question of whether or not affirmative action is allowable under our constitution and and the cynicism is in combining those two and so really they had that that agenda that had nothing to do with anti-asian discrimination and they came up with this really cynical strategy that worked of of combining the two their goal was fewer black students in the ivy league professor what is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your work uh, com, and still occasionally on the Twitter, although Musk is really driving me away. Uh, I'm missing Brett. you on Twitter, Corey. I'm missing you terribly. <laughs> Professor, we've missed you all summer. Thank you so much for coming back. I can't wait to talk further with you. Have a great weekend. Thank you, sir. we got to hit a break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We are at 866-997-4748. So happy you guys are with us. 866-997-GRIT. We are getting to all your calls right now. Uh, Jerry in Minneapolis, you've been on hold the longest. Welcome. Hey, John. Thanks for the opportunity to talk. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you tonight? Good, good. Enjoying a cool evening in Minneapolis. It looks like we've got heat coming next week. I'm very jealous of you. Uh, But I will say we we have your senator on our show tomorrow night. Tina Smith sat down with me for a conversation yesterday. Man, we talked about she's so great. And we talked about everything from. Yeah. Women's reproductive rights to, you know, the Justice Department's report on policing in uh, Minneapolis. And uh, I had never yeah. met this. I'd met the senator once years ago when I was performing there. But, man, she's fantastic. Yeah, we we like her. Well, the progressives like her. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the good lady. I was hoping that I could give a little shout out to a little progressive brewery in northern Wisconsin. Please. In a very... Red area of Wisconsin, of course. Um, okay. I'm not even sure how I got involved with them. It's called Minocqua Brewing Company. Um, I know the Minocqua Brewing Company. Yes, Do I've heard know? of them. Do yeah, they have the Bi- awesome. Biden beer, right? The Biden beer? These, those Biden people? beer and AOC IPA, uh, <sighs> Evers Ale. Choice wines. They sell. Um, they sell woke. Awesome. They, they sell. They sell something called woke coffee, which is the most hilarious thing I've ever heard of, and I wish I'd thought of it. It, it is, and I've seen um, recently. I saw Stephanie Miller wearing one of their woke shirts on nice. her program, and it kind of got me to thinking about um, the brewery. Um, the owner is Kirk, and he names fondly the fathers of the the county Abnam, which is the old boys network of Minocqua. Okay, and. They're just doing everything they can to run that poor guy out of town. Um, really? You know, long, long story. Yep, they sure are trying to shut him down. Um, but I just wanted to encourage listeners to, you know, check them out on Facebook, look into it a little bit. They're actually having a vote next week um, where they will probably shut him down and oh, no. just run him out of town. So, yeah, really sad. Well, you know he's, what, if they... If they... If they do, I hope he finds another home soon because I know they're very popular and people say I'm not a beer drinker, but people say the beer is very good. It is good. I've got a closet full of it here. Love it. Um, he's trying to get it out um, into more communities around. Why are they Wisconsin going after this guy? What's what's their problem me? with him? Why, why are they going after him? Like, Man, like, why, like, like, why are we going after beer me. now? Why are we going after beer? Uh, now? You know. Exactly. You know, it, it's just a political thing. I mean, he's even got the local newspaper suing him for something. I it, oh. it's 
Yeah, it's crazy. He's got a lovely building. Uh, it's an old Texaco station, and it's actually on the state register of historical places. It's a lovely building, but they won't allow him to have a beer garden. They won't allow him to, uh, parking spaces. I mm. mean, it's just they're doing everything to kind of squash his business. Um and that's really sad. In a, in a small town of about 4,000 people, you know, they rely on tourism yeah, in the summer. They, do. they and, do. Yeah. And so a lot of people aren't going or people will say, I'll come to your brewery and I'll drink with you. And then they won't eat there. They won't stay in hotels. You know, they won't do any of the summer activities. And it's really sad that that county yeah. is not yeah. appreciating a business, you know, especially in tourists season. You so know, it's to be expected. Thought, oh, maybe listeners can look him up on Facebook. He's listed all of the commissioners it's, and all the people, their phone numbers and their emails. No, and it's a great company. They're, they're, kind of, they're the Minoqua Brewing Company, M-I-N-O-C-Q-U-A, Minoqua. Q-U-A. And, yeah, and, Minoqua. Uh, just, Minoqua, my apologies. Go just do that. You can do the hashtag yep. on Twitter, Minoqua Brewing Company, and read all about them. And at a time when yep. we find out that Kid Rock's bar is still selling Bud Light in spite of what these bigots claim. They want to boycott Budweiser because Budweiser doesn't hate the same minorities they hate. That's literally it. That's literally it. Budweiser gave a free can of beer to a trans woman, and these bigots who who wouldn't be able to quote a single teaching of Jesus out of the goddamn Bible if they had to. They are (laughs) so furious at Bud. Unless you're Kid Rock, where everything is performative bullshit, he means nothing. This this trust fund kid with a trailer park drag blowing these things up on his estate with an AR-15 while still serving them in his shitty bar. You know, it's just like, why can't we go support people who are just looking out? And I I love this company, Minoqua. (laughs) They consistently fight for the least of us. Uh, I think their beer is very patriotic, and I love that they care about minorities, and they care about marginalized people, and they care about working people. So, uh, you know what? I'll start drinking beer just to support them. (laughs) Well, you know, they do some wines and some seltzers and stuff, too. So even if you don't like beer, you know, they've got a great shop, too, with shirts and things to support. I'm just glad there's somebody not selling edibles right now. I'm just glad there's... I live in New York City. Everything (laughs) in the city is a weed emporium now. You don't even want to know. You can't go to White Castle. They just sell weed there. Everything just sell weed in New York. So God bless the beer merchants. What, Chris? Yep, just trying to sell some cold beer on a summer day, poor guy. And, yeah, he's just... Man, he gets shut down at every turn by that oh, county. Dear. So, well, yeah, if anybody could give him a shout out and support him, you know, and we're hoping that maybe nice, he can stay in, stay in business past next week. So, I just want to say so it is worth noting yes. uh, they do ship to 14 states. So they do? Yeah. Wow. What, Chris, well, what would the name of their website be? Uh, and they've got a wonderful, they call him a beer serpa, Emmanuel. Big smile, happiest guy. He delivers, you know, around here as much as he can. And That's he's good. awesome, too. So, yeah. Yeah, Don Trump Jr. They're has good, a Coke Sherpa. A bunch. Okay. Yep. Um, Chris, what's the website? Do you have it? Uh, it's manaquabrewingcompany.com. Okay. Yeah. Right on. M-I-N-O-C-Q-U-A. Q-U-A, yep, yep. They Jerry, need thank help, you so boy, much. For sure. Thank you so thank much for bringing you. the story to us. I appreciate the time. Have a great evening. Thank you. 866-997-GRIT. Bill in Virginia. My goodness, you've been waiting so long. Thank you for your patience. You're on Sirius XM. Hello. How are you, Sean? How are you doing? Great. How are you? Uh, I called to ask him about the Jason Aldean song. And, yes, sir. Uh, 
uh, I don't know. I sat there and read the lyrics, and I know I'm not black and I'm not brown, but still, I read the lyrics, and I still could not figure out what in there was so objectionable. But I'll tell you something. NWA did an album two years back that talked about fucking the cops and getting a yellow line to sit there uh, put around the body. Yeah. I don't recall anybody saying anything about that. Are you, you don't recall me? people. You don't recall people being upset and freaked out by NWA. They made a whole movie about how people were so freaked out by that group. <laughs> there was well, ads on Fox yeah, News for it. Think, huh? You blew it, bro. I mean, I mean, you do you remember Two Live Crew in Florida and Broward County and how conservatives freaked out over that rap record and tried to censor it? I don't know any liberals who've tried to ban Jason Aldean's song from being sold anywhere. Uh, it's not the song itself, I mean, Bill. I agree with you. I went through it, and I think the lyrics of the song are pathetic and mean <laughs> and unchristian and, and just small dick energy, but it's the video, Bill. It's the NWA video that's the problem. Songs, the NWA albums weren't allowed to be sold well, in stores, Bill. Come on. Yeah, Bill, I mean, you get... Yeah, and also, Bill, if I may, if I may, historically i think we can agree black folks have had a bit of a worse time of it in america than white folks historically speaking i think the research bears that out so nwa uh their objectionable lyrics come from a different place they're angry about injustice jason aldean's song is saying hey you big city douchebags don't bring your big city ways to our small town there's a lot of reasons why that's disingenuous not the least of which is that jason aldean didn't write the song and he's never lived in a small town and it's a lot of just prick waving we got our guns you come here we'll fuck you up you it's the video bill that's a problem the video was filmed in front of a courthouse in alabama where a black man was murdered and hung out the window in the 20s and the video shows all this footage of black lives matter protests (laughs) it's only black only people protesting racism that's the problem that jason aldean has no footage whatsoever of the cop with his knee on his neck before about black lives matter yeah you know beside the fact that it looks like they're going to go bankrupt and I think that's because all the way it's they not, run. Or how it, they but run. Black Lives Matter. But what? listen, the only but people who talk about Black Lives Matter as an organization are conservatives. Black Lives Matter is a movement. Twenty six million people protested over police brutality and racism. They weren't all members of Black Lives Matter. The overwhelming majority of them don't know anything about who runs Black Lives Matter. Well, it's then in a, turn, then. OK, in turn, then. Are you saying that all the people all that have had the impact on Bud Light are a bunch of uh Oh, knuckle-dragging rednecks? There's not that many of them in the country. Let me ask you, Bill. Bill, Bill, let me let me ask you with respect. Why are people boycotting Bud Light? Um, why? Why? Please uh, have an answer. You have because to have the answer. whole... What? Well, why, why, sir? Why, sir, are people boycotting that, that beer? Um, I would say probably... I wouldn't say it. it's totally because the person's trans. I just think it's a situation of where... The marketing genius that this woman was, if you realize what her her base was, why would you go contrary to that? I, I've been in advertising. Most I'm sorry. Of my life. What does that What does that mean, that, sir? What What Why Why are they boycotting Bud Light beer? What is the reason for this hatred for this popular brand that's been around for decades? Why Why suddenly do our right wing brothers and sisters hate this beer so much? Um. Okay, two points. I'll say one thing is that well, as I said before. There are probably people that have a, a certain malice or dislike of, of trans. Oh, you of think it's prejudice? But, prejudice. But, Bill, prejudice. Bill, 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 prejudice we're talking, right? They're prejudiced against this minority, and they're boycotting a beer. You're right. Go on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I agree. Okay. I agree with you. Okay. You're right. Point it's two. about prejudice. What's your second point? 
No. Oh, the second point, though, is, is strictly a business decision that somebody, and I'll tell you my honest about this. I own stock in Philip Mars, which owns 10% of the company that makes Bud Light. So yeah. believe me, I don't like to see it going, you know, stinking. But I think the case <laughs> is you do not market a product to something that runs contrary to what your base is. What do they market, well, what, Bill? Hey, Budweiser, that part. Budweiser has been doing ads in gay pride parades around the world for over 20 years. How, what, what, did, what marketing are you speaking of? They gave a free can of beer to a trans lady. That's what they did. They gave, they gave this little present to a trans person. That's what they well, did. Well, did you the comment about the girl who was a marketing guru who came up with it because she thought that the, all the brand needed to be revitalized and repositioned? Yeah, why are conservatives offended by this? They're, they're the people who are offended are bigots, Bill. That's it. They're just bigots against this trans minority. That's the only reason, right? Well, let me ask you this question, to be honest Okay, I'll keep asking you questions, too. Go ahead. Much okay. respect. Hit me. Okay, if that's the case in point, okay, if that's the case in point, that still, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they have a right to not buy the beer. Of course they do. No one's saying of otherwise. <laughs> they're boycotting the beer because they're bigots. Against a powerless minority that they don't like, that creeps them out and scares them because they don't care to understand John, trans people. John, 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 here's the other thing I heard you say about the Republicans a little while ago, and I'm not John, stop, stop calling these bigots bigots, John. Go ahead, Bill. In fact, I'm part of it. Okay, you were talking about our Republicans whining about something, this, that, and the other. I'll tell you something that really is amazing. <laughs> Wait a second, Bill. Hang on. You can't do that. You can't accuse me of saying something and then and then say I not say what it was I said. What specific thing did I say that you're taking issue with? Uh, you Republicans whine about the congressional hearing today. No, no, no. You know okay. the congressional hearing today. The thing about um, Robert Kennedy Jr. being cut yes, off sir. or censored. Yes, sir. Well, I criticized the Democrat. I criticized the Democrat in that context. Go ahead. But then you said the Republicans, okay, jumped on that, and they were yeah. whining about the fact they're being victimized. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, That's what they do. Okay, I've asked you this before. You've had one half of it on. You had John McWhorter on, the guy that wrote the book about woke. The guy's a Columbia professor. But his other guy, Glenn Lowry, are either substack. They're both black people, and they both are talking about this constant carping on what is not right, and it probably is being detrimental. I don't know what we're talking about anymore, Bill, with much respect and love for you. I don't know what you're talking about anymore. Are we talking about the word woke now? Because we were on Jason Aldean before, and then it got to Budweiser. Well, okay, the point being is this. is the thing with the Jason Aldean thing, and you talked about the video itself. Yeah, the video is more of a problem than the lyrics. Huh? The video is the problem more so than the lyrics. Uh, Okay, let me just say something about Columbia, Tennessee. That's a suburb of Nashville that has... That is is fairly liberal. Maybe oh, it is Matt, now. Tennessee is fairly liberal, and besides yeah. that fact, two Christmas movies were filmed in front of that same courthouse. Okay, but do you understand the difference, Bill? Christmas movies. They didn't broadcast footage of black protesters. The video well, is anti. What are the anti- black protesters doing? They're I mean, protesting injustice. Accurate? No, did they you put th- anything in there that wasn't accurate? No, no, no. But here's here's the deal. The lyrics of the song are about people who come into our town and cuss at the cops or flip off old ladies or are rude. The video, he's talking about demonstrators. The video shows only pictures of protesters, and most of them are protesters 
from marches that protested police violence against black people. So again, a Christmas movie in front of that building, there's no context. But you're doing a song about don't you come down here, you protesters, with your northern ways or we will fucking kill you in front of a building where white people dragged an 18-year-old black man and hung him to death out the window? It's kind of tacky, Bill. The best case scenario, it's really tacky. The video is against protesters and do by the way by the way let's talk about the lyrics do you think that do you think that you should get your guns and go after someone because they cuss out a cop or burn a flag last time i checked it's legal in this country to cuss out a cop or burn a flag so captain neckbeard talking about getting a gun and kicking your ass for doing that he's the anti-american one my friend wait a minute one thing it's not legal to come into a city like richmond a majority black city and basically burn down black and Oh, you're kidding. It's it's not legal to burn down buildings? Bill, what are you on about? No one's saying it is. You talked about the Jason Aldean song. I'm talking about why it's a problem showing that building and that footage. And again, Bill, again, hang on one second, Bill. When he's, You know who's a big city thug? You know who's a big city thug who committed murder? Derek Chauvin. But I don't see footage of the cop with his neck, with his knee on a man's neck for nine minutes murdering him. What I see are those bad people who protested it. I don't see in that video, you know, big city thug Donald Trump came to D.C. and caused a terrorist attack on our Capitol. There was no footage. They have footage of people beating the shit out of cops they could have used in that video. But they're white people. They're Trump supporters. And we don't mind when Trump supporters beat the holy hell out of cops on the Capitol steps because we've decided it's okay. Okay. So, again, it's very selective, the kind of big city shit he has a problem with in this video. And I think you could understand why he doesn't really have a problem with white lawbreakers. If you're protesting against racial injustice, we will fucking kill you. And that's the message of the song. And it's no different than saying to the Freedom Riders, we got baseball bats as soon as you hop off your bus, if you dare come down the Mississippi. Uh, John, can you tell me somewhere in that video or in the words that there was anything said about if you come to my town, we're going to get a gun and we're going to shoot you in the head or we're going to lynch you off a, 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 a tree limb. Can you tell the me? The whole song, yeah, though, I will tell you right now. He talks about how those who cuss out a cop or stomp on that flag and light it up are going to face retaliation from what he calls the good old boys who were raised up right in the South. Got a gun my granddad gave me. They say one day they're going to round up. Well, that shit might fly in the city. Good luck. No one's coming for your goddamn guns, dude. I mean, he's singing about killing people for not respecting police. Imagine, imagine if there was a song for, by a rock artist in the city about how small town folks should stay where they are and not come to the city with their small town bullshit. You'd be offended, rightfully so. Well, um, I would say basically this, what you're talking about, about small town people, you know, that part. Uh, I think progressives do a pretty good job of putting them down all the time. Would putting you? what down all the time? What are you talking about? Do you what think there's no small about? towns in progressive states? He literally says, see how far you make it down the road. I mean, it's like Mississippi burning shit. He's saying that he's conflating the act of protesting with violent crime. He's saying leading a march and, and getting at a cop's face is on the same level as rioting or carjacking someone's grandma. Well, I was watching, you know, believe it or not, the liberal aided day on the five. And even she thought she couldn't understand why people were so upset about it. Yeah, I said the song's not a problem. The song's the song's just dopey. The video's problematic. But again, it's not the worst thing I've seen all year. Well, well, I'll say one thing though. At least for him, it's now number we one guess. on iTunes. I, so I, I that's great. 
Huh? Well, if it th- that's great, then that means it's good. If it's the number one song on iTunes, it must be good. It's number one on iTunes because we're all talking about it all day. He's he's achieved this objective. But again, you know, I, I got to run, Bill. We can talk about Jason Aldean and his curious past anytime you want. But go enjoy the song. If it makes you happy, live it up. But don't pretend you don't know what's going on behind it. And ask yourself, why don't they show footage of cops being beaten by Trump supporters? Why don't they show the act of violence by a cop against an unarmed black man that prompted most of these protests? Because it doesn't serve their overall narrative. It's creepy. It's all code talk and dog whistles. Bill, I got to run. I love you, but I got to run, man. Okay. Okay. Have a good night. We got to go. Carol Montgomery's waiting in the wings. If you're on hold, we will get to your call, I promise. I'm sorry in advance, Carol, but wow. Be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I can't wait for all the comments on the last caller. Hey, Carol Montgomery is back on the show. One of my favorite comics. She got her start at the legendary Catch a Rising Star, then hit Hollywood, did a lot of TV, then went to Las Vegas and conquered the strip. The first time I saw this woman live, she made the theater shake at the Vegas Comedy Festival. Carol's best known to a lot of you folks for producing Funny Women of a Certain Age, the great, great Showtime series of specials uh, starring Carol and many contemporaries like Caroline Ray and Carol Leifer and Thea Vidal and, uh, uh, hey... More recently, our union president, Fran Drescher. People of Earth, I give you the woman who got Fran Drescher to do stand-up because there's going to be a new show, a live show by funny women of a certain age at the Wall Street Theater in Norwalk, Connecticut, July 29th at 8 p.m. Carol Montgomery, welcome back. Oh, thank you, John. I am so proud of Miss Fran. I cannot even tell you. I'll tell you. It's true. It's amazing. That speech she gave last week, I I would have thought the best labor right speech we would hear would come from some fiery democratic politician it came from the fucking nanny carol it came from bobby fleckman of 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 spinal tap what a speech she gave where she completely outlined in ways that even our right-wing uncles and aunts can understand the fat cats keep getting rich off your labor and in that sense actors are no different than you yeah oh no she was and what what i loved it uh at one point uh she she was just going off and going and she goes and it's if this happens it's over and it was like oh queens just showed up that was like that was the best part of it because she just you know and she's right she's absolutely right even though you know she was very successful in the nanny um yeah but what she's fighting for is and this is one of the things i don't know if you've discussed this on the show or not and i try to explain this to my civilian friends is you know the the nanny obviously was a huge hit she made her money there, but she made the bulk of her money. And this goes for every 
sitcom that was on network, they make the bulk of their money on the residuals. That's right. Syndication. And so, but there's no syndication anymore. Uh-huh. The way, you know, so, so, so nobody's making money anymore. And then with the writers, like I have a friend of mine who wrote on a series. My husband happened to be working with one of the kids that was on the show. And he said, oh, ask her if she met, you know, so-and-so. And she said, no, I just wrote the series. I wasn't on set, which is unheard of. That's Writers crazy. are supposed to be on the set to, you know, to, to, you know, just to make sure like somebody goes, oh, that joke didn't work. We need a joke. Yeah. And so nobody, so I don't, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. And to have somebody like Fran, who is so successful and so great. And she's like, no, this is wrong. You know, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just waiting because. At this point, I expect the Teamsters to be showing, to be joining the strike any day now, and that's going to be a lot of fun. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. I mean, when the Teamsters show up, it's like, all right, game over. I have this radical uh, theory that I'm trying to put forward that we should uh, work out a system where we can get AI to replace the studio executives. No oh, creativity absolutely. involved whatsoever. Just let the bots sit there and give notes that'll be ignored by the actual creatives. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, it, it, it really is mind blowing that, you know, it used to be that if you wrote on a series, like Dick Van Dyke, I think had, it was, cause you know, we went through all of that during the pandemic, we were watching all the shows, but I, I want to say that the Dick Van Dyke series has something like 30 episodes a year. And right. now with streaming, it's like eight. How yeah. do you can't make money that way? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, so for the people who are listening, I hope you understand this isn't this isn't just famous people wanting more money. It's it's really the it's the first of all, how many people do we know that are background actors? Exactly. People don't know. You know they want they, they they to know. Well, you brought up a great point. It's not just the celebrities. Um, acting is wonderful fun. Being an actor is incredibly hard. Imagine a union where the majority members of your union didn't make enough money to be above the poverty line. That's right. what we're talking about. And it's been that way for a long time. And what we're facing now, and I think maybe the most instructive part of all of this is that a lot of people are learning the threat that AI poses to actual creativity, that mm-hmm. background actors, you know, who just come in and stand in the, the Sopranos as a wedding scene. My brother was in a Sopranos wedding once as a background actor. He got to do it. And, you know, you get paid a little bit for the day, but it's, it's, it's work and it's honest work and it's long work and many hours and not a lot of pay. But what they're doing now is measuring actors, they're scanning them, and right. they can now create them via AI and have them say right. anything, do anything, and those actors will never be paid for anything their likenesses with their names on it will ever be made to do. The very right. agency is being lost, and we're all already terrified that now writers won't write scripts anymore. AI will write scripts, and there'll be one person brought in to punch it up. Right. And, 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 and what's going to happen is because that one person who's being brought in to punch it up, they think they have a job. They don't have a yeah. job because AI is going to be punching that stuff up. So it's, <laughs> it's a very terrifying time for creative people. And, and the one good thing I will say about stand-up is that you really, you really can't you – ha- to, to really enjoy stand-up, you have to see it live. So unless yes. they can actually get robots – to go on stage, which, by the way, I wouldn't mind because I'm so tired. But, you know, if I could have a robot do my act, I'd be thrilled. 
But you know, but it, that's I mean, Sarah did it. Sarah, Sarah Silverman looked into it. Then the, the New York Times podcast today talks about it. Sarah and some other people like put into chat GPT to do a Sarah Silverman set in her voice. And yeah. it came out like like and someone could use that and she'd never see a dime for it. And it's her voice and it's based on her material. So it's as close as we can get to approximation of her creative spirit. And yeah. people can just do it now. And the artist has no protection. Nothing. Nothing at all. So it's going to be it's going to be a very um, bleak fall for actors because I don't think this is stopping. I really don't. I think this is. I think I you're think, right. You know, I know. I think it was was it the directors. I think negotiated something. It was one of the other unions. But mm-hmm. but I don't. I, I don't. Yeah, the DGA don't DGA see, negotiated. Right. I don't. I don't see how they they have to give. And the fact that they're that they're you know the the stuff that they've leaked that you know. Yeah. Well, here, you know what's going to happen. I mean, you know what's going to happen from this. It's going to hurt broadcast and cable, and more people are going to cut the cord because right. now uh, the fall is going to be what, Carol? It's it's going to be game shows and reality shows on the networks, yeah. right? That's that yeah. they they no scripted shows, so it'll be a lot of game shows, a lot of reality shows, and with unscripted, it gives the network something that's new to sell to the advertisers. But. <laughs> You know, it's like, uh, and and they're going to start airing Yellowstone on CBS. ABC is going to air Disney Plus's Ms. Marvel. They're going to try and find any ways they can to bring new content to TV. But there's not going to be anything new that came from writers or actors. Right, and they and they have the fact that the 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 people who are making the billions of dollars are like, well, we'll just wait until everyone's hungry and losing their homes. That's it. That's, a, that's, a, that's horrible. That's yeah. that's. You know, but, but, you know, the thing about writers is, is what I hope is we're all creative enough to go, all right, we'll all just start writing books. <laughs> you know, it'll be like, it'll be like all these great books will come out and then, every, you know, it. I know, I know. I don't know believe how, me. I will, yeah, I don't know we, how it's Believe me, be. and actors can't do me. I mean, Pam Greer was supposed to be on the show this week and she had to back out. I'm going out to do the show from L.A. for a month and I was planning on getting all these actors to come down and now. Uh, you know, unless it's talk about the strike, actors can't do it. I mean, it's it's right. going to have a lot of ripple effects. But the real question, Carol, is have you spotted anybody famous on your picket lines yet? Um, I have not been on the picket lines yet because it's been too hot. And I, you know, just yes. uh, I, I, I support the cause 100 percent. But I am 65. And I know that this is how I know I'm old. <laughs> I don't feel old. But it was like it's 95. I can't I don't do well with heat to begin with. Like I was at a show last night at the crane. We were doing a funny women show and show. they hadn't turned the air on. They turned the air on. The lights were really hot. I looked like I was sweating. I, I was sweating so much. And that's be, because I, I don't do well in the heat. And I'm also on medication because I'm also that age. But I plan on going out. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hoping to go out as soon as it gets a little cooler that I won't yeah. pass out. Yeah, I'm going to do it in L.A. when I'm out on the West Coast where I yeah, can yeah. breathe and see the sky. Uh, Carol, I, I, I'm glad you're here because you're doing a show this weekend uh, with funny women of a certain age. And I love that even though these shows have been so successful on cable, you keep doing it live. Who is on the bill with you this weekend? Um, actually, it's not this weekend. It's next weekend. And next it's weekend. July I'm so 29th. sorry. The 29th. Um, it's um, it's your, one of your favorite comics, Leanne Lord, of course. The great. Um, and Julia Scotty. It's th- oh, that's nice. that's my A team. Now, I, listen, you you see, you know the show. I've had so many women on the show, and and, and they and they, you know, Vanessa Hollins has done the show. Karen Louise, yeah, they've done the tour. But this to me is is the funnest show for me because we have 
you know, they were on tour with me when we did our folk tour last year. And we just have the best time together. And they're just... I love all three of you. Yeah. And you're also yeah. different style-wise. And I mean, Julia Scotti, I think for a lot of people, for a lot of folks, she's the first transgender person they've ever been in the room with and known it. And I think that her act needs deserves to be really, really huge because, boy, she breaks down the barriers and makes it so fun. I, I honestly think that people feel like they have a trans friend after her set. Absolutely. And that's and that and also when um, when we do meet and greets after the show, there's always people that come up to her and either talk to her about, you know, they know someone or their child is is thinking about it. And it's really wonderful to see she and regardless of that. Yes, she's a transgender comedian. She's so fucking funny. She is a brilliant <laughs> comedian. Yeah. And in the end, it's not about whether or not you're transgender or a female or a male comic, you're a comedian. And that to me is what what I look at. You know, all the people that are, that have done my show, you have to be good. Like I, I've had comic come up to me and go, I don't understand why you're not on my show. Or, I can't do your show. I said, well, if you want to follow Marshall Warfield, go ahead. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. you know, when, when we did the taping, uh, the last taping that we did, uh, Monique Marvez, who is Love a her. brilliant comic, she yeah. it, it turned out that she had to follow Marsha and Marsha destroyed that night. And she looked at me and I looked at her and I went, yeah, like, you're not going to be able to pull this off. And she went, oh, no, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to have to work a little harder. And that's the, the greatness of the show is that everyone's like, oh, OK, Julia had to follow Thea in the second <laughs> special. And, I, and she said and, and it's so interesting how it, it's not it's nothing. It's not because we think the comic is bad going on for it. It's just that we're like, oh, man, I'm going to have to I have to work my ass off now. But you know what? Know, maybe I'm. I, but go ahead. Tell me. No, I just. I be, wait, wait. Uh, I, I'm, na I'm naive. I, I, I love following a great person who just killed. To me, it's like, oh, yeah. OK, someone's warmed the girl up. She's ready. I mean, like I, 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 right. I follow. I used to follow Rodney all the time at the at the strip in L.A. I followed Seinfeld. I followed Chris Rock. And it's like when the audience is overwhelmed with laughter, I want to go up then and try to take it to another notch. Yes, absolutely. But I think what happens because I used to and this was years ago before he was, uh, uh, you know, uh, the. Uh, conspiracy theorist that he is i used to have to follow rogan every night every weekend really? in the main at the comedy store and he yeah. destroyed every fucking night he just because yeah. he was a good, back then he was a really good comic and i yeah. would come out i was blonde and cute and adore you know and and it you know what it it it, it gave me my chops because once yeah. you have to follow something like that you know but but that's the point julia Monique, these all of these women have done the show. It's like if if you think you can't follow these people, then you're ready to do my show. If if you think you like, right on. I don't, I don't think I can. Well, then you shouldn't. Carol, I got to ask you a very important question. Um, are you still doing Twitter, or have you gone over to the Threads? Um, I have not gone over to Threads yet. I'm thinking about it. Um, Liz Mealy, who you know, is a great comic, and she's a yes. social media. Dynamo, yes. and we were having a discussion about. It. I said, and she, of course, immediately went on it. And I said, well, the only problem, reason I haven't done it is because I had heard that um, uh, if for some reason you want to delete it, it will delete your Instagram. So I don't know if they've fixed that little quirk yet hmm. or not. So okay. um, I have not done it. I go over. You know, I go over to Twitter. I go to Twitter to to see the news because Twitter will always have the news before regular. Same. News. Same. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know what? I, I I want to get you back on Twitter more often because 
I miss your tweets. I, I gathered a few of them before you came, and I want to just uh, quote you to you. Uh, <laughs> not long ago, not long ago, you tweeted, Anita Hill was right. Hillary Clinton was right. But yet here we are. Hey, GOP, keep trying to put women in their place. That's going to work out just fine. I have been saying, Carol Montgomery, that thanks to Roe v. Wade, old Joe Biden can run for re-election in his bathrobe and slippers. The turnout's going to be so huge. You know, that makes me laugh because you mentioned Rodney. And years ago when I was working the phones at Catch, yes. he lived upstairs from Catch a Rising Star. And he used to come visit me and he'd be in his bathrobe. In the bathrobe, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, no, I agree. I, I, I have said that like a lot. I have, I have some, you know, hardcore lefty friends that are terrified that, you know, Voldemort is, is, is going to win. I said, you don't understand something. Roe v. Wade is, is way, way, way more important than anybody thinks. Because all the, de- I have said this, all the Democrats have to fucking do to win this is run that, um, that one quote with Schmucko saying, <laughs> I overturned Roe v. Wade. I overturned Roe v. Wade. Vote Biden. I overturned vote Biden because he's proud of that shit. And how many fucking abortions that this motherfucker paid for, by the way? Well, let's be honest. The real villain in the Trump saga are all the ex-girlfriends and mistresses and escorts who didn't come forward with their receipts. That's the real villain. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I agree. I agree. You had another tweet that I liked recently. Uh, I don't say the C word that much, but I'm going to quote you. What I think is amazing about the projection from the conservatives about Biden being corrupt is that it was never mentioned when he was VP. Carol, I have to give props. It never once occurred to me. Eight long years, they could have gone after Joe Biden for his incredible, evil corruption as vice president. But for some reason, they were too busy focusing on Hillary Clinton. I can't think of why. Yeah, but that, isn't it? But think about that. Eight years. First of all, you know, because Obama was such a great president and they, nobody ever goes after him. But it, really, Hunter oh, was still do. his son. Yeah, well, because he was he wore a tan suit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Hunter Biden was his son for eight years then, too. Yes, he was. Yeah. And it blows my mind. And the reason I came up with the word conservative is because, of, you know, I'm so tired of people calling us libtards. I'm like, all right, well, then you're conservatives. There you go. You know, I mean, you know, the, the big difference is that when Hunter Biden was uh, the son of the vice president, uh, his brother hadn't died and he hadn't gone off the deep end with drug abuse. Hunter Biden, yeah, he broke the law. He did bad things that nice people shouldn't do. And he went to court and he pled guilty for his tax fraud. and He paid his fine. Like, that's it. But they can't let go because you know why? They got nothing. They got, they got nothing. Not- they got nothing no. to run on. They're going to be talking about Hunter Biden until the day after Joe Biden's reelected. And then they'll start smearing the next Democrat. That's all they right. could do. Yeah. And meanwhile, the cocaine that was found in the White House, obviously Don Jr. left it there somewhere. <laughs> uh, and then finally, you just had a joke that I loved. I want to produce a line of big trucks called Small Dick Energy. Um, <laughs> great joke. Great joke. Yeah. Well, it's just well, I, I'm, I'm so sick of uh, you know what? I'm sick of walking, you, uh, walking in the streets. It doesn't happen really a lot in the city as, as far as guys with. With big trucks, more it's no the, in the uh, city. It's in the city. It's loud motorcycles for small technology. Right, 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 right. Or the guys with the trikes, you know, that come through. The you know, there's that that like hundreds of guys on the trikes, and they're, yes. and they're all colorful and they're all playing music. And it's like, yes. we know your dick is small. It's they're all okay. doing wheelies. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've been talking about small dick energy all week because of the Jason Aldean video. It's like one of the greatest gifts comedy ever had was insecure men who tried too hard to overcompensate. Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. And it's the same. Whenever I'm at, at the gym, and I, and I lift weights, I lift free weights, so I always have guys. It never fails. They're always next to me, and they have to drop the weights. And I'm like, you know, every time they do it, I don't say it loud enough, but I do go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a small I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> because it's just like I, it's like guys. We okay. I know. I know. Them, you know. Can you imagine when they finally come up with like penis enlargement technology? How much of this societal bullshit's going to just go away? How so many of these miserable men are just going to calm down and relax and be nicer guys because they're not terrified that they don't measure up to that humunculus they watched on Pornhub last night while their wives were sleeping? Like, I guess. Just let them have bigger dicks, folks. Watch what watch the need to own an AR-15 disappear. I swear to God, it could work. But also, you know, it's it, it, let me explain something to the gentlemen in, who are listening who have small dicks. You know, you have a mouth that works. Learn to yes. work your mouth. Small dicks can work, too. If you understand the female anatomy, there's things called angles. People don't make me go deeper than that. And I know you can't go deeper than that, gentlemen. But, you know, do your best. We've taken my show off the rails. It's beautiful. <laughs> I can't. Carol, what are you optimistic about? You know, with this strike going on and it looks like it's going to happen for a long time. And I I share your fear that the studios are just going to wait until people are losing their houses and have to cave. What's giving you hope right now? Um, With the earth on fire. Well, yeah. Well, I'm 65. So the Grim Reaper is knocking on my door. So I have only a few years left. Uh, No, what what, what gives me hope is I really... I know this sounds so fucking cliche, but when I, I look at young people, especially young women, I think I, I, they give me hope because, you know, we, like getting back to Roe v. Wade, that was such a huge thing for women. Like, it's like, you're telling me that I can't, you want me to, you really want this to be the Handmaid's Tale? Like, and, and it's not just, you know, people always like, oh, you know, the East Coast and the West Coast. You know, the fact right. was, I think it was Wisconsin was the one they, they came out and voted. They, they voted to keep abortion. I, I, I'm i not sure which state in the Midwest it was, but women came out and went. Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. It's like women are pissed. And let me, you know, women, <laughs> I'm I'm a loud, obnoxious woman. So I, I wear my heart on and, and my my feelings on my sleeve. But a lot of women are like, oh, that's. Oh, you're right, honey. We women shouldn't have. We should never have that. And then they go into the voting booth and go, "Fuck you!" And they vote the way they <laughs> they thought. I'm telling you, we, you, you never piss off women because we'll do one of two things: either you're, it's like me and you just see it coming, or the other type who's just like, "I'm going to wait till you turn around because I don't want to look you in the eye when I stab you." <laughs> Carol Montgomery, everyone needs to come see funny women of a certain age live. The next big show will be Saturday the 29th at the Wall Street Theater in Norwalk, Connecticut at 8 o'clock. You can go to wallstreettheater.com. Carol, what's the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your doings? Um, just uh, funny women of a certain age uh, is all over the Internet as I am. Uh, Carol Montgomery, uh, I still am tw- on Twitter for the moment national mom instagram carol montgomery comic come to a show i, I thank you so much I, I, for, for stop i love on. you i love when you come on the show and by the way our producer chris he has the answer to the old cocaine he thinks it's don jr's cocaine chris why do you think it was uh jr's cocaine well they well they found it in one of those arrival cubbies next to an unopened father's day card 
So. <laughs> Carol, thanks for doing the Lord's work. Oh, honey, thank you so much. Everybody, come on out. It'll be a great show. Oh, I love those shows. I'm I'm gonna get gender reassignment surgery and get old just so I can do one myself someday. Thank yes, you sir. so much for being with us. This is progress. 